Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more movie and nostalgia podcasts, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our youth to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poland-Clark. With me is my co-host, Kara Gail O'Regan. Hello. Or as text edit would have me call you, Kara Gail Oregon. I didn't fix it this time. It was really hard not to read it like that. Um, and today we begin Adam Sandler month. Uh, yep. Because this year we're going through all of the maybe kind of terrible 90s male comedians. Maybe not all. Not it's necessarily was, well, all. Okay. And maybe it's not all terrible. Um, we've done Mike Myers, we have done Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler is our third, right? I didn't miss anyone? No, we also took a detour into Matthew Lillard and Kirsten Dunst. But I don't, yeah, I don't, they don't fall into that category. That was just for sanity. Um, and so we have chosen four Adam Sandler movies split over two podcasts um we are gonna start today with billy madison and happy gilmore which were the first his first two movies that he started is that true i should look yeah he was in other movies he was in other movies before (laughs) this like airheads uh but these were like his first like starring vehicles yeah yeah Yeah. okay so i thought um and uh, so Billy Madison came out in 1995. Happy Gilmore was the next year in '96. Um, I think they were both pretty successful because he was super famous. Um, like I think it feels like this was like the peak of his fame. Like he was super famous on Saturday Night Live, um, and then he left to make to be a movie star. Um, and he made these dumb, dumb movies. That it turns out I really enjoyed. <laughs> Which I love so much. I mess it. So I, I, I liked watching them because I had seen them so, so many times as a kid. Like, who didn't know all the words to Billy Madison? Like, just everybody watched it. I didn't. I maybe saw it like once or twice over the years. I definitely saw Happy Gilmore a bunch more times. um, And I definitely saw Airheads a shitload of times because that was on Comedy That was also on all the time. Constantly. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, like my friends and I thought like Stop Looking at Me Swan was like the funniest thing in the entire world. You know, when we were eight. (laughs) I laughed so much at Billy Madison. I was shocked i really like like from the very beginning was laughing so hard and i just didn't expect that to happen <laughs> that's so much yeah, i love it was a really pleasant so surprise much. turns oh, out it was directed by a woman i know Tammy i almost Davis. i like was not actually gonna watch the movie i was like i'm just gonna be like i didn't have time whatever and then <laughs> <What>? i <laughs> well i almost didn't have time okay I, sure. it was it, like it was in the uh, neighborhood of truth, uh, 
but then I happened to notice that it was directed by women, so I was like, mm, okay, I'll make some time. And I'm so glad that I did, because it's really good. Okay, I don't think really good are the right words. Mm. Like, the way I described it to you, which is like, it's really bad, but there's a lot there. That's still how I feel. I enjoyed it enough to say that it's good. Really? Okay. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> so if you've never I mean, seen that doesn't it, necessarily mean that it's good. Uh, no, of course I, not. This is obviously a subjective own. opinion. Uh, but I think it's good. Um, now I'm looking at all the things that Tamara Davis directed, because I totally meant to do that before mm-hmm. we started recording. Yeah, pretty wild. She also made Half-Baked, which I've seen. Mm-hmm. I knew that. That was the only one I could think of. Times. Yeah. That was the only one I could think of off the top of my head. She's also married to one of the Beastie Boys. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, she directed a lot of music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, she also made an interesting documentary about Jean-Michel Basquiat uh, that I really want to watch it's on amazon prime so i'll probably watch it later uh, she directed the one time that britney spears tried to be an actress oh my god okay crossroads yeah. crossroads the craziest movie in movie history you want to know who wrote the screenplay for that <laughs> who wrote crossroads shonda fucking rhymes oh, dang i yes. didn't know that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not great it's not great, but I think it's worth revisiting. It was fun to watch. I watched it once. It was fine, but it's not what? a good what movie. What if it's good? I it's mean, not. No. who knows? It, nope, it's not a good movie. We don't know that. It's not I a good movie. I think it's worth revisiting. I watched it in the last, like, f- six years, and it mm-hmm. was not good. Have you been following, like, what's going on with Britney Spears right now? Mm, no, I just keep seeing things where she's like, I'm okay. But I don't know why she's saying that. Yeah. Well, there's this whole... Let's not get into it. There's there's a whole other podcast. uh, But she may or may not be being held against her will in a mental health facility, like, since January. Like, she definitely has spent some time there. But, like, the, the official, like, timeline of it is a little fishy. And it's, like, not clear whether it's actually like her doing or not but also at the same time I feel like really dirty and guilty for even like talking or thinking about that because I'm like none of this is any of our beeswax no, it's none of our business and we do that to celebrities yeah and yes. and especially her I mean good god that poor woman but at I the know. same time like if if it is against her will then free Britney how, how can an adult saying. be held against their will well so if you uh get in my time machine uh, we can travel back to 2008, 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. uh, which you may remember as that time that Britney Spears went crazy. I do remember um, that. Yeah, it was all over the news constantly for a really long time. Um, I actually happened to be taking a gender images in media class with um, Camille Paglia, who's like a pretty famous feminist blowhard like uh but like a contrarian feminist blowhard Mm -hmm. she's interesting but it was an interesting class and it happened to be going on while like during that semester so it was like our homework to pay attention to it and like 
one of our essay questions on our final exam was about Britney Spears and like what was going on. But anyway, um, at some point, I think it was like after she shaved her head, um, the sh- the uh, she was held under something called a 5150, I think, which is when um, an adult person seems to be a hazard to themselves or others, they can be taken into protective custody in a mental health facility. And I think it's usually for like 48 hours. And so that kept getting extended. And then uh, a judge granted her father, who I was going to say is also her manager, but that's not true. But they granted her father uh, like a custodianship, basically, which takes away all of her decision making she can't drive she can't uh sign contracts she has basically like no legal rights as an adult and her father is her guardian um and it was only supposed to be for like a short period of time and then something fishy happened and it got extended and it's been going on for 10 years and so um it's a complicated situation. Jeez, that yeah. sucks. It really sucks. And it's it's really sad because it's like, you know, again, none of our beeswax. But at the same time, like, if she has been in this conservatorship for a decade non-consensually, you know, um, like, unable to make her own choices about where she goes and who she spends time with and what jobs she takes like that's really fucked up here's i'm gonna tell you one of my favorite stories or one of my favorite things that i ever witnessed i was working at a network news um radio um and we had you know we have like correspondents who we call to comment on things when you know whatever when stuff happens mm-hmm. and so we had um this legal correspondent who we called once when something happened with Lindsay lohan mm-hmm. and you know some you know the same kind of thing where it's like it's why is anyone even talking about this but it's like people cover it you know yeah. Um, so because that was also him. like the time of like Perez Hilton and yes. like in really like paparazzis have always been intense, but like a really that period of time was so intense for like famous young women for people like Lindsay Lohan, like Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, and like whatever. Like they at literally everywhere they went, they could not like be alone they'd be followed by like hundreds of people taking photographs waiting for them to screw up and reporting on their every move when they were like 19 and 20 years old where yeah well that's because i mean it's like when like the internet exploded and got really gossipy you know like did you ever don't know they didn't Mm, i don't think so but like i hollywood gossip has always been a thing but that was like when it like entered this kind of like hyper crazy crazy time um but yeah sorry continue um so we called this legal correspondent to be like hey can you just like talk about this and he literally was just like nope <laughs> like hung up. i just like 
it was so like like obviously he was right yeah um and it was so rare to see somebody have principles yeah it was so rare to see somebody be like yeah no that's dumb (laughs) i'm not yeah or even like um like uh i see this a lot on cable news like after it's reported that like somebody's gone into the hospital or something like that like recently ruth bader ginsburg underwent surgery and uh my boyfriend had msnbc on or something and they had some doctor on the television talking about like her prognosis and like all of this stuff where i was just like anybody who like actually has any sort of ethics would be like it's not ethical for me to comment on any like any patient let alone somebody that i've never treated this yeah it really i find it very distasteful Okay, Adam Sandler. Yes. Um, well, I want to ask you first, like, what was what was your relationship with Adam Sandler when you were young? Uh, SNL reruns on Comedy Central, uh, which featured such classics as uh, Lunch Lady Land and... Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh opera singer guy and like you know all of his other uh recurring sketches um like i said airheads (laughs) airing on comedy central over and over again definitely watched happy gilmore a bunch of times um but like my favorite thing that adam sandler did was the wedding singer and i've seen that like a bunch of bunch of times and I think of that as like a later work in his career but it only came out in like 1998 like two or th- like three or four years after these movies that we're talking about um yeah. and then after that didn't really uh track his career much because he was making uh movies and stuff that I just wasn't interested in yeah. So yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna next episode. We'll talk about the wedding singer and we'll talk about Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I sim similar, but I watched Billy Madison a lot more than you did, and Happy Gilmore also. Um, and I just remember like really liking the like the Thanksgiving song and the Hanukkah song, mm-hmm. and like it was a time where like you just had to wait for a song to come on the radio <laughs> if you wanted to hear it and like they would play those songs around um the holidays. Thanksgiving and Hanukkah yeah. yeah so i remember like sitting with my like boombox radio just like waiting for the Thanksgiving song to come on so that i could like hit record and like record it on a tape <laughs> um i don't i don't know if i ever did but i remember like just waiting and waiting and waiting and then being like yeah it's on um. Yeah, and then I guess I liked the wedding singer. I don't even really remember caring much about him after that. Like I saw, I remember seeing the Water Boy. Uh. And then like that's it. I think I was done. After oh, that. and Fifty Little First States, which also has Drew Barrymore in it. Yeah, and I, I never saw that one. That's not great. Um, She's a very memory loss pixie dream girl in that one. Um, okay, so, oh, I did see Funny People, like, many, many years later, which he's in. Mm. Um, 
Billy Madison stars Adam Sandler as a dude who's probably in his late 20s whose dad owns a really successful hotel chain so he's very rich and privileged and just like basically doesn't ever have to do anything um he just like sits around and drinks all day with his two friends one of whom is an actor i don't know the other one is norm mcdonald okay. um because this was the time period where i think norm mcdonald was like a little bit in every comedy movie um although so, this was the fir- the very first one um so uh billy madison uh finds out that his dad is gonna retire and somehow makes a deal with him where if he completes grades 1 through 12 and passes them all uh, in a certain amount of time, he gets to inherit the company. And if he fails, he the company goes to Bradley Whitford, whose name right. I can't remember, but he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's the, the vice president of this company. And so he's like the logical choice for the successor of right. But he's also the worst. But he's also the worst. (laughs) Um, And then the reason that Billy Madison has to go back to school is because his father has revealed to him that the only reason that he ever graduated from anything is because he just bribed everyone. So he makes this deal that if he goes back and spends two weeks in every single grade and makes up for it and graduates from every grade, then he can be president of this Fortune 500 company. Right. Which totally makes sense. So it's definitely all of the qualifications that you need. Isn't it like I the I was so interested by this because it's um it's like touching on so many like very relevant themes about privilege mm-hmm. and like um you know, like all of the stuff that came to light recently with like the college admissions scandal and mm-hmm. like all of that stuff I was thinking about a lot while I was watching this. Here's here's the only note that I made. I didn't do a good job taking notes um, during either one of these movies and here's the only thought that I was like, I'm going to write this one down. <laughs> um, I wrote the phrase, man child with a good heart and good heart has quotes around it and then in parentheses i wrote white wealthy and deserving with quotes mm-hmm. around it and like that's the characters that he plays yeah like like they're not good people they aren't really deserving of success but like it's but they are framed in such a way where like no matter what shitty thing they do we are meant to sympathize with them because they do some other they do like one nice thing that's supposed to make up for the fact that they're shitty people Mm -hmm. well i think in billy madison the character is like learning how to be a a better like more considerate person like he's just floated through life before like fucking up constantly and making things a nightmare for everyone and then like he goes back and has to like relive his life and like learn the lessons that about like dealing with other people and interacting with other other people that he never right. had to learn before. He just never had to do it before. Yeah. Um Yeah, so he goes through grades well he goes he gets like grade one through nine, right? And then there's um Bradley Whitford's character bribes 
the the high school principal who the high school principal was a former wrestler who accidentally killed somebody in the ring and Bradley Whitford finds this out and then blackmails him into lying about Billy cheating and blah blah blah. blah. So they have an academic decathlon where Bradley Whitford and Billy compete and I like that part a lot. Yeah, I did too. Um it has a really great monologue at the end where the um guy judging it gives that great little monologue about uh how bad his answer was to one of the questions. <laughs> I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Um, But actually, so um, I was also thinking a lot about Wayne's World while I was watching this because there are a ton of references to other movies, but they're not, not all of them are like as obvious as they are in Wayne's World. And in this specific movie, uh, scene that you're talking about the nonsensical answer that he gives at the very end he's like knob high football rules um, and that is a Bill and Ted reference Sandy oh, high school football rules I didn't yeah. know that mm-hmm. made me laugh real hard um, this movie is endlessly quotable like, I guess not really if you haven't watched it over and over again. Yeah. But, like, like the thing with the shampoo and the conditioner and stop looking at me, swan, and... The like, mucus the... queen is yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the thing about the Triscuits. <laughs> I'm not sure. You remember, I remember that, that part one. of the it's a it's really close to the beginning and it's Bradley Whitford and the other guy, the other Who's the other guy? Oh, yeah, the other guy. I don't know who he is, but he's some <laughs> other guy. <laughs> I, I like him, too. I just, I don't know yeah. who he is. Um, some other guy who works for his dad. They, um... You don't remember the Trisky parts? Not really. Mm-hmm. I was still mad about the rose bushes, probably. What? Why? Well, because he runs over a bunch of rose bushes at the beginning. It was very upsetting. We see very different things in movies sometimes. <laughs> Um, there's a great musical number. Oh, yeah. There were so many times where I just was, like, laughing so hard and saying, like, what the fuck is happening? It, it's so, it's like, incredible. That's, that's the, like, one thing that I saw watching it this time that, wait, first of all, I'm going to paint you a picture. Mm-hmm. I have a projector in my room, and I watched this movie with two friends, and one of the, and we were like, okay, let's, I'm going to, we'll go in my room, we'll, like, we'll watch it on the projector. And one of my friends was like, actually, we could put the projector on the ceiling, and that would be even better. And I was like, oh, no, that's a great idea, and also very dangerous. <laughs> so, like, now I have the ability to just lay down in my bed and watch movies on the ceiling. Nice. Uh, which is how we watched this. Um, that sounds great. So, I... Like, yeah, it's, this movie is really surreal. It's not really... I don't think that it's really smart enough to do it well. In a lot of ways, but there were, there were a lot of like, there's a lot of like, what the fuck? Like there's a penguin. The, literally the second note that I made after I'm so mad about those rose bushes, uh, the second note that I made was, is this a work of Dadaism? Which I don't know if you're (laughs) familiar with the artistic movement called Dadaism. It was like a 
post World War One kind of reaction to that that was kind of uh, people usually like simplify it by saying it's anti art um, but it's like it's more complicated than that but it was like a lot of like rejecting of like logic and traditional aestheticism um, and like in favor of expressing like total nonsense and irrationality um and i think that that hypothesis held up throughout the film (laughs) yeah i mean if you explain it like that like yeah but uh, okay hold on we'll get to why i cannot like fully accept that Mm -hmm. um but so yeah there's a penguin that he sees often when he's drunk just like a huge like man-sized penguin (laughs) that he chases around um pretty so every time he graduates a grade he gets a huge huge ridiculous party party, and they get more and more ridiculous and if you look in the background like you can see some pretty hilarious things going on oh yeah i'm gonna watch this again then because there's clearly more for me to see there uh, and in one of them there's a clown who accidentally gets killed (laughs) and like just like blood comes out of his mouth it's like it's so gross and Great. for no reason, for no reason. Um, but then the clown comes back during the musical number. Oh my god. And an entire family dies because <laughs> their car <laughs> slips on a banana peel. Which was brilliant. It was like a mountain. But it was like a Chekhov's gun of a banana peel know, because they, it yeah, like it was sets it up great. earlier in the movie and then I was like, Oh, that's gonna come back later. Obviously. And then it did in the most ridiculous way. It's brilliant. It was um, so good. <laughs> What else? Yeah, there's like a full-on musical number, and all that was oh, great. Oh my god, oh my god. The other thing that I loved so much that was just so fucking weird uh, was when he was still in the first grade, there's a shot of him like banging erasers in the background, and in the foreground, his first grade teacher is just sitting there with this creepy smile plastered on her face while she um, paints her eyes with paste. Yeah, I love Miss Lippy. She is. Talk about eyebrows. Oh, God. Why isn't she in everything? I love Miss Lizzie. She's so great. She's so good. Um, He also, like, I, okay, I, I laughed a lot when he was, like, pelting those kids with the dodgeball. <laughs> like, but at the same time. I don't know if I should have, but it was really funny. At the same time, I was just like, oh my God, all of these, like, memories of being pelted with balls. <laughs> coming back to me from like gym class and stuff um there was one other part that i was like oh that's pretty weird oh his okay i have questions here's i'm gonna Mm -hmm. i'm gonna talk about some things that could be more problematic now yeah and there's plenty of that too the maid at the house yeah is, she's definitely like a mammy sort of character. Yeah, but is that like, are they doing that on purpose and they know that's what she is and they're trying to be ridiculous about it or are they just super racist? Yeah, I mean, who knows? It like, based on like the other kind of like self-aware things in the movie, I think that they're using that like as a, con- like just a conventional like character to kind of like twist a little bit and make it weird you know I don't know if like in 1994 the racial aspect of it even like entered into their brands um it had to have I hope so I I but who knows 
But the thing that's weird about her, aside from that, is that she wants to fuck Billy Madison. <laughs> that's why I brought it up, because it's so funny. <laughs> Dude, I... That was the first time that I laughed, like, so hard, was at the very beginning of the movie, where he, like, walks out of the room, and she's like, that kid sure is a damn fine fool, or something like that. And then she's like, what? He's a damn fine piece of ass, too. <laughs> yeah, she's just, like, is constantly... Like hitting on him, like yeah. trying to fuck him, and like. But not just him. It seems like she's trying to fuck all sorts of people. I don't so know. We don't her. see her do it to anyone else. Yeah, she she fucks somebody in this movie, she and I does? don't remember who. Yeah, sometimes toward when? the end, maybe not fucks. Definitely makes that. out with somebody though. Um, oh, when everyone starts making out with each other. <laughs> who does she make out with? Steve Buscemi. I don't remember. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. Also, Steve Buscemi's in this movie. Also, Steve Buscemi's quest- in this okay, movie. Okay, that part's super weird, too. That's another one that I have a question about. because Which they... I think is actually a Silence of the Lambs reference. Is it? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I mean, he's going to be that. the serial killer, and then he, like, crosses the name off the list, lays back, and, like, puts on lipstick. Yeah, um, I guess you're right. That is what it is. Yeah. No, because I was concerned about that, too, but then, like, because I was kind of, like, picking up all of these other kind of subtle references to other stuff, I was, I figured that's what was going I, on. Like, but that, like, so, like, my problem is, when I said before that I don't think it's smart enough to do what it's trying to do well, like, that's kind of what I mean, is, like, mm-hmm. I didn't really get that as a reference. I can see it now. But it's like it just doesn't do a good enough job where like so much of it is really dumb is actually really dumb and offensive that the parts that are trying not to be and maybe actually weren't meant to be still read that way. Yeah, they definitely can, especially I think this long after that and not just because like standards of like what is okay has changed but the movies that are being referenced in this movie are so like there's so much more distance between them Mm -hmm. now you Mm -hmm. know watching this in 1994 or 5 whenever it came out like silence of the lambs just came out two or three years yeah that's true it would have like been much easier to pull that reference from your brain then yeah because then there are other ones that are more obvious like the godfather kiss Mm -hmm. um the his romantic interest in this movie is played by the same actress that played Sonya Blade in the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Um, and there are several Mortal Kombat references. There are. Yeah. Where? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, the he, the kids actually have a conversation about video games and talk about Mortal Kombat. They do, but that's yeah. just because that that was a thing then. Also, like everyone played Mortal Kombat in 1995. Well, yeah, but also somebody who's in the movie is in this movie. And then, like, at some point, she starts beating the shit out of Billy Madison, which, by the way, I loved. She uh, does, but she does it in a white shirt and falls into a fountain. Yes, that's on purpose. Like, that's... I, but it's... But is it? Like, because they spend the rest of the movie disgustingly objectifying her. Yeah, but... Like, in... so then when you do that on purpose, like, I can't, I can't read it that way, you know? But the monologue that she has in that scene when she is, like, in a white shirt soaking wet and wearing a bra underneath, by the way. She was wearing a bra, it's true. There's also not a single sex scene in this movie. The only time we see him, like, like, get anywhere past first base or whatever is um when he's like making out with her photograph and like fondling Ooh. an imaginary breast. No, they ki- they 
they kiss. They kiss. Yeah. They, well, I don't know what the bases are. I'm Wait, not a teenager have, anymore. No, you're right. <laughs> I, I have a new question. Yes. Does Adam Sandler have sex in any of his movies? Uh, or does he, like, I feel like that is his, like... I don't think that we've seen enough of them to make that. I don't know, I, just, I can't but, think of it, you know. Yeah, no, you're right, because, like, he doesn't, I don't think he fucks anyone in Happy Gilmore. No. And there's, in a, uh, Julia Gulia thinks that he had sex with somebody else in The Wedding Singer, but he didn't. She just slept over and wore his Van Halen t-shirt. Yeah, like, sex is definitely referenced, but not, mm-hmm. you'll never s- I can't think of seeing Adam Sandler have sex in any of his movies. That's what I mean. Yeah, and I don't want to. I'm not asking for it. But that's like, like there are other male leads. Yeah, of course. Who like that would be totally normal. Yeah. But for some reason, for him, it doesn't. But but okay, let's talk about Veronica Vaughn. Mm -hmm. Like, she's. I just can't get over how much. Like, she's so much better than him, and she's doing that that woman thing where she's like, sure, I'll fix you. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. We can't, like... It's, it's like, really bad in his movies. It's really bad in this one. It's really bad in Happy Gilmore. It's really bad in most movies. But I can't forgive it, and I can't forgive it, you know? No, I don't blame you, but, like... If you, like, if we're gonna keep doing this, like, male comedian thing from the 90s thing, like... We can't keep having the same conversation. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> this is why we're all fucked up. Yeah. Because this is who we thought we were supposed to be. I mean... Maybe. <laughs> I, like, I... Not... Well, okay, because, like, this, so, so I tried to do some Googling about this and couldn't find a ton, but, like, this kind of, like, man-child character, Mm -hmm. like, was very strong in the 90s and early 2000s. And this is an early example of it. Yeah. And I think it probably existed in the 80s, too, but. Oh, for sure, but, like, there was a very, like, specific man-baby yeah, like, it was very, very, very strong while we mm-hmm. were growing up. Like, at a time where it mattered, the kinds of things that we were seeing. hmm And, dude, like, that's why we're fucked up. Like, this is what we thought men were supposed to be. Yeah, but we're fucked up for a lot of reasons. No, this is just one of them. Yeah, I know. I just, like, as a person who spent many years in relationships with men that I was trying to fix. Mm. Like, I feel pissed off okay. that this so is So this the only... is really all it's about you, really Jordan. Obviously. <laughs> no, you but keep you saying know... this is why we're fucked up. No, no, but... no, but I, I'm, I'm saying it like that because I know a ton of women who are yeah. like that. Like, I know that it's not just me. No, you're right. And there, it's in so many movies that, like, of course it, ma- it, of course it matters because these are the things that are you know shaping young brains but yeah yeah you're not wrong and they're just like they're so gross to her like and she just plays it off which like she like literally laughs about it yeah well but also she's like what grade was that seventh grade no she was a third grade teacher third grade oh okay yeah second yeah third grade i think 
and like she and she like reads him correctly like pretty immediately she's like you're the worst like i don't want to deal with you what you're spoiled like this is stupid whatever and then like he fake pees in his pants for ernie and and then that's the thing and then she's just like oh whatever you're fine yeah i guess i'll date you because you did that one nice thing yeah like i don't know And then Chris Farley looks up her skirt. Yeah. I don't care for that. His hair, though. He has, like, a really crazy comb-over thing going on. Yeah. Um, did you happen to notice all of the snack pack product placement? Yes. <laughs> I did, and I thought of you. I thought of you! I wrote it down. <laughs> Um, well, the the scene where they, like, f- kiss for the first time happens, like, in the tent that he lives in, mm-hmm. in his the backyard of his mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and in there, like, we get a, a closer, like, a more intimate look into, like, what, into, like, his interior life. Because, like, up to then, we've really just only seen, like, the outward outbursts and weird voices and whatever but like in his own space like it it would appear that he's actually a genius question mark because he has like all of this like math things and puzzles and he has a tuba and a french horn although later he clearly can't play (laughs) yeah i was like i got really excited when i saw the tuba and the french horn and sheet music two different things of sheet music uh later during the decathlon well we don't know that he can't play them because he doesn't play them instead he plays a clarinet backwards he's holding it backwards (laughs) by the way too much of it in his mouth (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but i i thought that was interesting to like see inside of like but don't you think that maybe that's just like shit that his dad bought him it absolutely that he's never touched yeah but like yeah like yes that's definitely a possibility but at the same time then why would it be inside of that tent why wouldn't it just be in the mansion he needed to fill it with something yeah I don't know. Well, so I sent you a link to a piece that the director, Tamara Davis, wrote for, like, the 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, And I excerpted this quote from it because it was an interesting kind of insight into, like, where she was in making this movie. Uh, Quote, in a strange twist of events, the director they hired shot for a few days, and then I got the call that Universal wanted me to replace him. I flew to set in Toronto on a Thursday and started work on Monday. The The movie was in trouble. Adam was so stressed that his neck had stiffened up and he couldn't move his head. My job was to save the film and make it funny. I hung out as much as possible with Adam and Tim Hurley. Hurley? Is that a Hurley? Yeah, that looks yeah, like a Hurley. Yeah, who I never heard of, but wrote, like, all of Adam Sandler's movies with him. Yeah. Um, I was trying to understand his comedy, become his biggest fan, and laugh as much as possible at this silly world that we were about to create. I overloaded the sets and costumes with color to show how a kid sees things. My other goal was to make sure every crew member on the set was happy, giving me their best work. I wanted Adam to walk on set and only see faces looking to laugh. I learned early in my career not to let myself get in the way of humor, but instead 
find what is great in a talented person. I always had to genuinely like the actors I worked with and use my enthusiasm and vision to give them confidence to push their creativity and humor. I just thought that was like interesting. To... I, that makes me think she's the only reason why this movie's any good. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. you know, she's a director. That is her job. But I mean, like, if, you know... Yeah, well, someone her job else had directed to... it might have been very different and we might not be talking about it now at all it would be completely different there are so there i there were so many things that i saw in this that i was like that is like that's a female gaze that's a woman's touch you know things like the like him making out with the photograph instead of like showing an actual sex scene um yeah, uh, like I mean, and a lot of times have... sorry a lot of times there like when there is um you know something like really toxic that happens like as billy madison is like learning to be a better person he's seeing other people act in these ways that he's acted in the past and he actually like pushes back on it mm-hmm. um and, and which isn't to say like which isn't to say he pushes back on it but he doesn't necessarily hold that person mm-hmm. accountable for it like when they're on the bus and they dare him to go touch her boobs and he's like touch her boobs that's assault and he like pauses for a moment and then is like you double dog dares me and then he goes and does it you know but that conversation I don't think would have happened if a woman hadn't been there um you know things like that that I found really interesting and like her job as a director is to take what was in the script or take what is in these people's heads and translate it and make it into something watchable and something funny um and so in this essay she also talks about um how a lot of the most quotable lines in this movie actually weren't from the script at all and were improvised on set or um how uh adam sandler would have these ideas like the clown thing um and at first she was like i don't know that doesn't sound funny but like the two of them like trusting each other and like bringing these like weird ideas to fruition in a way that could have failed entirely you know mm-hmm. like certain things about this movie certainly failed but like I think overall it's like really interesting and bizarre and I really enjoyed it and now I just want to go watch all of her other movies because um. this is also like usually when a director makes a movie they have like prep time <laughs> to like right. think about what they want to do with it to work with a storyboard artist to you know like work with production like, designer do job all well. of those stuff yeah you know so she had like interviewed for this position and then they told i guess adam sandler actually wanted to like work with an old friend and so that's who they gave the job to first and then they went and were like oh whoops can you come do this at the last minute so i think that that is like really fascinating um, a thing happens in this movie that I was like, whoa, 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 couldn't happen today, couldn't happen today. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Uh, no, because there's too many of them. Uh, mm, yes, but this one was like, whoa, like glaringly obvious. Yeah, I don't know. There's a gun in the school at the end. What when Bradley there? Whitford like tries to oh, shoot them all yeah. in the school yeah, like right. I don't think anyone would ever put that in a movie again unless it was a movie about like a, a school, school shooting, shooting. <laughs> yeah. yeah no for sure um another thing that I noticed uh like hit the 
scenes with his friends, like Norman, Norm Macdonald and the other guy, like they're clearly stoned, but there's no evidence that they've been smoking weed at all. Mm-hmm. And I found that really interesting. And I, I mentioned it to my boyfriend and he was like, oh, is this rated PG-13? And it is. Um, so that's probably why. Because uh, then... Can you not show weed smoking in a PG-13 movie? At least not at that time. I think now, obviously, it's just like so much more... Yeah, like, you, pr- you can probably show it a certain number of times now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, like, where the MPAA stands on that at this moment in, in history, but, like, at that time, that definitely was not something that would uh, pass, like, for PG-13, because Half-Baked is definitely rated I'm d- R. I'm looking it up right now, Half-Baked is rated R. Yeah. Um, I could keep talking about this movie for a really long time, but... I also really want to go eat dinner, so can we talk about Happy Gilmore now? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Happy Gilmore came out the next year. It came out in 1996. Um, again, this stars Adam Sandler as a character named Happy Gilmore, who is a wannabe hockey player mm-hmm. who can't skate or handle the puck. He's just really good at, like, Slap shots. Slap shots. I was like, oh, and also shit, I don't know the word for this. And also yeah. what? Fighting. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, fighting used to be a much bigger component of hockey, and then the NHL, like, banned it, um, he, which is definitely for the best, but also it's, like, not it's kind of nearly fun. as much like, fun as it used to be. Did you ever play the video game Blades of Steel? No, I don't think it was, so. It was a Nintendo game, um, and the best part was, like, every once in a while you could get these little like blobs of color to fight each other <laughs> on the on the ring. Um, okay, so he's kind of like a pretty similar character to Billy Madison, although he's not rich. Um, but he, uh, you know, is a terrible man child um, who has uh, rage and anger control issues. This movie is literally just him throwing things at people and And yelling my um, first note is so much punching and yelling hold on i have to read you the first line of roger ebert's review of this movie um so anyway he's got a great slap shot um by accident he finds out that that slap shot also works for golfing um and so and his grandma he loves his grandma she's the one who raised him her house is getting repossessed so he's because got because she hasn't paid her taxes in a decade um so he's got to raise a lot of money in a really short amount of time and decides to do it by winning golf tournaments um cuz he apparently is good enough to do that so he kind of like comes in and shakes up you know what is known to be kind of a quiet boring sport by you know throwing things and cursing and um hitting things very hard (laughs) so here's here's uh the first two sentences of roger ebert's review happy gilmore tells the story of a violent sociopath since it's about golf that makes it a comedy (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's certainly one way to look at it yeah um this movie it was also I think this is a better 
movie structurally. I mean, it's in some a, ways, it's more of a movie than the other one is. Like, like part of the kind of like Dadaist like flair of Billy Madison makes it l- like kind of plays with the structure of filmmaking and like it's like if you like have an idea of like what a movie is that's like very structured and has like a certain format uh which most people think that there is like that uh but i don't know what am i trying to say jordan how i am trying to express this abstract concept in a way that just is not working i but you know what that's good uh billy madison more abstract and this one. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like a lot of the surrealism that's in Billy Madison just isn't in this, except mm. that a lot of people die in this. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I guess it's meant to be funny. It's not funny. I think, that um, like, you know how when we did Mike Myers Month, I was like, Mike Myers' humor is like 92% ableism and racism and like there's these like mm-hmm. r- really big chunks that are something very specific to his humor and mm-hmm. I think Adam Sandler uh, is like just violence is a large chunk mm-hmm. of his you know just like um, people hitting stuff which people like, hitting stuff, honestly, which is funny it <laughs> was hilarious. funny half of the time in this yeah. 50% of the time when somebody got hit with something or when he threw something at somebody I laughed yeah. But the other half of the time it wasn't funny. Like it was very overdone. Yeah. But that's another like, kind of hallmark of his style, I think. I agree. Yeah. And him just yelling. Mhm. He yells a lot. Um What do you but, think about Chubbs's hand? Uh I forgot about it. Oh. So, <laughs> so I not was that like, much. "Oh, right, right, right." Uh no, I mean, it's um you know, obviously, if you're going to have a disabled character, it would be better if it was played by a disabled actor, which mm-hmm. it is not. Mm-hmm. Carl Weathers is great in this, though. Um, uh, you know, I did actually notice some, like, visibly disabled people in the background, like, mm-hmm. in the extras, which is interesting. That's not something that you usually see on film or people using wheelchairs. Um, and if you do, you see them in what are called transport chairs, uh, which is, like, what they use in the hospital to shuttle people around and mm-hmm. not, like, the actual kinds of wheelchairs that people who actually use wheelchairs on a day-to-day basis have, you know. So to see that in the background was interesting. Um, uh, the hand is used for humor a lot in the movie um, because at one point it's like he like throws it or it gets hit, like it goes flying and a truck runs over it and it breaks. Um, and and then that sets up some other jokes throughout the film, which is like, ugh, um, you know, prosthetics are incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. and most people who need them need to jump through a lot of hoops to even have access to them. Um, so I don't love, you know, seeing like somebody normalizing uh, destroying somebody's prosthetic because it, you know, devalues these like essential aids that people use in their daily lives so i don't know it's complicated but it wasn't like so egregious Mm -hmm. i think that there were some other 
things in this, like disability-wise in this and in uh, Billy Madison's, certainly, that are more problematic, but, you know, not great, but it's, like, not not a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie feels like it was in- paid for entirely by Subway. Yeah. Like well, Subway, Subway AT&T, Pepsi, um, because yeah, I mean, each of these more. individual um, tournaments are sponsored by a different sponsor. So they got lots of product placement in there, but he does do a commercial for Subway. Well, and even in the beginning, he's coming home to his girlfriend who's leaving him, and he's like, wait, I got Subway. Like, it starts right away. Yeah, you're right. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Well, so while he's on the pro tour, his antagonist is another golfer by the name of Shooter McGavin. Did you happen to recognize that guy? Uh, From something that we watched recently? Yeah, I looked it up. I forgot already. He's in something that we watched. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it? I don't remember what his name is in real life, but he <laughs> played uh, Matthew Lillard's dad in yes, SLC in Punk. Yes, in SLC Punk. That's right. Yeah. Like, kind of, like, genial, wealthy asshole. He's, like, so easy to hate. He's very yeah. good in that character type. And he actually didn't want to do this movie because he was kind of sick of playing that character. Um, but for some reason, Adam Sandler. He's perfect in this. Yeah, he's so good. Oh, but you know who was also considered for it was Bruce Campbell. Mm, it would be a very good. different character, but I could totally see him yeah. in this too. I would have found him harder to hate. Yeah. Um, and and the the love interest is um, Julie, Julie Bowen, Bowen who is in so Modern Family. In yeah. Um. Very and she was very like nineties um, woman, mm-hmm. ni- young nineties woman dressed mm-hmm. up like she's fifty years old when she's yeah. like twenty eight years old. <laughs> suit and like a skirt suit situation <laughs> and her like short hair. Yeah, she's so mm-hmm. cute in this. Um, um, there's a couple of fantasy sequences. You know, I love a fantasy sequence, <laughs> and I love these in particular and I had completely forgot that they were in the movie and then the second they started happening I was like oh my god I forgot about this um where he is uh, happy is encouraged to go to his happy place and he imagines Julie Bowen in like thigh highs and like a corset like laying on a bed with two pitchers of beer and there's you know, nice sunshine and water spray and flowers. And for some reason, there's a little person there and he's riding a tricycle, which is fine, questions about that part. Yeah, but like, you know, relatively harmless. No harm comes to that character. You know, it's like not a mini-me situation by any means. So sure, why not? That guy got paid. Cool. Uh, And his grandma's there and she's winning all sorts of money. And then there's like later in the film a... attempted fantasy sequence that goes awry, uh, which is also great. Okay, because Shooter McGavin blows through it, ruining it. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like his grandma in this movie played every grandma. 
Yeah. I thought for a moment that it was the same actress, uh, the meatball lady from The Wedding Singer, but it's not. (laughs) It's a different old lady. Oh, Christopher McDonald, who was shooting Regavin, was also in The Faculty. Oh, yeah. Who was? Was he one of the I feel like he's like one of the first first people to get killed. Yeah, I feel like he had a small... Yeah, he was like the first guy that got killed. Um, so Happy does eventually win enough money, um, and, but he's like gonna try and buy this house back, and I was so stressed out because I was like, if he uses all that money to buy the house, he's not gonna have any money left over to pay taxes on those winnings, and this is just gonna like compound this problem. I was getting very after. A particularly rough tax day this year was a little stressed out about that for him. But he he'll be okay because he would be be golf famous by that point. Like you know, he get more endorsement deals. Like he'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's a it's a problem that uh, compounds for people. You got to pay agents. You got to pay managers. That's why, like every once in a while, like celebrities every once in a while (laughs) just like wind up going to jail or something because they didn't. They either, like, didn't realize that they had to, like, put money aside for taxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was thinking a lot about the expressions of anger and rage in this. And just, like, nothing specific, but just about, um, like, women's expressions of anger and rage and how we're, like, not allowed to do those things um, and have to kind of bend over backwards to make any expression of that like palatable to other people mm-hmm. whereas like you know Adam Sandler's whole brand is yelling and punching things and here's the line that he uses to get the woman to go out with him it she's the publicist so she's trying to get him to like chill and like stop cursing on television and like stop punching people in the face cuz she doesn't want to kick him off the tour and he's like well at least I didn't punch anybody in the face. And she's like, oh, you're right. And then they go out on a date. Yeah. You know who else is in this, though? Who? Bob Barker. Yeah, he kicks the shit out of Bob Barker. Yeah. Um, the director told him, told Bob Barker that a stunt double would be used in the fight scene, but he insisted on doing his own stunt, saying, quote, wait a minute, I know how to fight. Wow. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Bob Berger studied Tang Soo Do karate for decades under Chuck Norris wow. and his brother Aaron Norris. So he's not fucking around at cool. all. Yeah. Good for him. Um, like I said, I had watched this on cable so many times, and so I had seen the the version that was edited for TV, and like so in that fight scene, he uh punches Bob Barker and says the price is wrong bitch but the TV edit version he says the price is wrong Bob so I was very surprised when he said bitch I was like oh I didn't know he said that that's funny yeah uh, Bob Barker's old he's 95 is he still alive yeah I was just like wow. just looked it up he's 95 he's still alive um, oh God, what's his name? 
Ben Stiller is in yeah, this. Yeah, Ben Stiller is doing his mean character. His mean character as the abusive nursing home guy. Um, and it's really frustrating to me that we never get any closure on him. Like, his grandma just doesn't live there anymore. But yeah, we never see that guy get his comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apparently there was a deleted scene that involved Happy throwing him out of the window after finding okay. out how badly his grandma was treated. Yeah. That made me feel better. I was like, okay. Well, at least they were going they to They tried to acknowledge it. Yeah. Didn't fit. Apparently, in real life, Adam Sandler is terrible at both hockey and golf. So, which I thought was interesting because he, like, is pretty convincing with a hockey stick, I thought. I don't know, but he's not supposed to be good. Yeah. But, like, when he was, like, doing the thing that he's good at, it was convincing. Although I was really curious how they shot those shots of, like, the traveling golf ball, like, I from the golf ball's shots. perspective. I bet they were... Do you, okay, so, I think... Do you think that some of them were repeated? Oh, some of them were definitely repeated, So, yes. I think they must have been really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Too. To, because why else would they repeat them like that? Like, it's so yeah. obvious that they're repeating... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought about that also. Um, there was another shot that I really loved, which was when he goes on a date with Julie Bowen, he takes her to a skating rink, mm-hmm. and the Zamboni driver is there, <laughs> and what he pays the Zamboni driver to like let them have the rink, and uh, the song Endless Love is playing, and... The, the, there's the Zamboni drivers in the foreground and then in the background you see the two of them like skating out of focus and the Zamboni driver is just passionately sitting there singing endless love to himself yeah and I really nice. enjoyed that yeah I'm googling to see if I can find how they did those ball shots mm, can't find it oh well yeah. do you have anything else on Happy Gilmore I don't think so so, the scene with Bob Barker increased the ratings for The Price is Right. Oh, yeah. Barker claimed that someone in the audience asked him about Happy Gilmore almost every day. <laughs> um, Adam Sandler's production company is, is called um, Happy Madison. Mm-hmm. And I had to, in my brain, think about that and then think of the title of each film every time I said them. Because I, have, I, I keep mixing them up. I keep like yeah. trying to explain to people that I've just watched both of them. I also watched both of them in within like a 12-hour time period. Yeah. And I keep mixing them up. I get really confused. <laughs> I think that's all I got for Happy Gilmore. Cool. Do you, do, do you want to do a... A media roundup, or oh no, not really. I had a busy week. I didn't even really have time to watch much. I started. We can cut this out, but I started the um, new sketch show that's on Netflix last night. What's it called? I think you should leave. Oh yeah, I heard that was really funny. I've only watched three episodes. They're short. They're like seventeen minutes. It's really weird and really funny. Yeah. It's, yes, watch it. <laughs> oh, you know what I watched on Netflix? Here, let's just do this anyway. Um, I, I, forget, I think it's called, oh, it's called Bonding. 
And it's this really short, like, seven-episode, half-hour... I watched it all in one one sitting. It's about a TV show about... um, a girl who's in grad putting herself through grad school working as a dominatrix and her gay oh. friend that she hires as an assistant it was excellent i read the and plot for that yesterday made when me it came up. maybe reconsider some of my career options <laughs> it was really good i cool. it was like a nice little nugget oh i finally also watched wonder woman oh what did you think of wonder woman i had some complicated feelings i cried less than i expected to uh it was very moving but also i was just kind of like i wish this was like not about her hanging out with a bunch of guys the whole time that's why i didn't like it yeah like if we could have just stayed on that island with all the ladies that would have been great uh gal gadot is like a perfect human (laughs) and i love her and i want to see her in so many more things and it made me want to be strong like it made me want to like get physically strong because she like body checks a tank and then flips it over like a (laughs) table and that was cool um but i've been like watching more warrior women Mm -hmm. things like i rewatched kill bill and i didn't enjoy that at all oh really i mean like there are aspects of it that i appreciate and i enjoy but like it kind of just feels like an excuse to brutalize women's bodies for two hours. Hmm. I mean, which, and like now that the stories about how right. Quentin Tarantino treated her have come out, it's like, right? And the the Weinstein's like it's just you know, uh, I mean I'm still gonna watch the second one probably, just for research purposes. But um, yeah, it didn't didn't quite click with me that time. I saw it. Like, only once, I think, in the theater when it came out. Uh, But, yeah, that was disappointing. But, I don't know. It's interesting. Certainly interesting. Hmm. But I think that's it. I think that sketch show is the only thing I've watched since we recorded last. I've been doing, I've been able to do more circus lately, so I have been doing that. That's good. Yeah, it's pretty oh, cool. The other thing that I watched. Um, Motley Crue came out with a collective memoir like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating book because they all tell the same stories. Mm-hmm. But they're four different stories. That's <laughs> super fun. Yeah. And so when I found out that they were actually adapting it into a movie, I was like, oh, well, that's impossible. Um but it, it actually, I enjoyed it a lot. It's on Netflix. It's hmm. called The Dirt. Um, I, would, I, I don't know. It's it, Like everything related to Motley Crue, I enjoy it probably way more than I should. Uh, but I found it really interesting. And I, I they, it, all things considered, they did a good job with the adaptation. Like for... Mm-hmm like adapting something like that which i think is incredibly difficult yeah um it was actually a pretty good job they, they did a pretty good job and they also like had to leave a lot of stuff out mm-hmm. um and they actually kind of because there's a lot of like breaking the fourth wall since yeah. it was a memoir um and they they actually acknowledge some of those things uh which is interesting uh but they leave like some of the more um 
scandalous <laughs> uh, episodes that are in the book out of the out of the movie, mm-hmm. which is slightly unfortunate, but I understand why. Cool, because it has to do with like doing terrible things to women, but you know it's fine. <sighs> yeah, that's why I was surprised that I enjoyed the movie so much. You're able to look past some things sometimes. Yeah. As am I. Well, you have to. Like, we've learned how to do that because we've had to learn how to do that because up until very recently, they didn't really make media for people like us. No. You know. They did, but it wasn't, you know, as easy to access. No, and there wasn't as much of it. Right. And that's true of basically everyone who isn't a white guy. Mm-hmm. We've all learned how to. And so, you know, uh, it's it's harder for them <laughs> to have to try and empathize with characters who don't look like them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's go eat some dinner. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Kara, where can people find you? In the ocean. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, that's not actually true. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at bimps, B-I-M-P-S-E. I wish I was in the ocean. Me too. But I am not. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at jordopc. Uh, this podcast is on Instagram at wistfulpod. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. At Wistful Pod. Um, We'll be back next week with an episode of What Am I Chewing? We will talk to you then. Bye. Bye.